Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Lost in Revision, brought to you by Lots of Snow and Lots of Coffee. I'm here, as always, with two of my favorite humans, Angel and Polly. How are you today, Angel? Happy to be inside and not out in the quickly decreasing temps. It is warm, fuzzy blanky time in Texas. Oh, for sure. It is snowing here and it has been below freezing for days. Well, back to school means back to work. I was enjoying all that time off. True, though our first two weeks back are both four-day weeks, so that is pretty nice. Makes me think this push for four-day work weeks is a pretty nice thing. It takes a day to recover from the week, a day to prepare for the next one. It is nice to also have a day to actually do something fun. Amen. Well, with any luck, this three-day weekend will turn into five or six days. I've got several inches already and no snowplows till morning. Maybe they'll cancel the basketball game on Tuesday. Fingers crossed. (laughs) I'm fairly certain we've already passed six inches today, and this area doesn't know what a snowplow is. And the snow is still going strong. Tomorrow is supposed to jump above freezing just long enough to give us a thunderstorm with icy conditions and then plummet back into the freezing temps. Fun, fun. Glad I'm moving to Florida next week if the weather will even let me go. Ew, Florida. (laughs) Yeah, but winter is only fun if you don't have to go to work in it. So true. (laughs) so angel why don't you tell us a little bit about the history and culture of this story today i return to my beloved hans christian anderson but with a story i had never read until i began my natalie inspired year of descent into darkness (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) he wrote this in 1839 two years after writing the little mermaid Prior to this, he had been focused on poems, which makes sense when you know that he had become famous in Germany and was awarded public poets funding in 1838. This was the 21st fairy tale he wrote, and he was well into his fame as a writer by this time. I am reading The Elf of the Rose, which is sometimes called The Rose Elf. It sounds like a sweet little story, but the only thing sweet in this tale is how pretty the flowers are. Everything else is betrayal, murder, and revenge. Murder by pirates is good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, murdering flower spirits, that good too? Gotta make my nat happy. I mean, you gotta love a good unsolvable mystery. They were really more like avenging flower spirits. You know that little elf is awfully attached to his daytime soap of a garden romance? I love him. (laughs) true he gets caught up in the story and catches main character syndrome though (laughs) i don't know that i would call him self-centered but he definitely gets all wrapped up in the drama and changes the story to his own fanfic with a little whisper you know he has an ao3 account (laughs) (laughs) he's at the very least listening to the podcasts about unsolved crimes (laughs) those true crime podcasts are dangerous things (laughs) So let's move on to the reading of the story. 
and then we can discuss it after. The Elf of the Rose by Hans Christian Andersen In the midst of a garden grew a rose tree, in full blossom, and in the prettiest of all the roses lived an elf. He was such a little thing that no human eye could see him. Behind each leaf of the rose he had a sleeping chamber. He was as well-formed and as beautiful as a little child could be, and had wings that reached from his shoulders to his feet. Oh, what sweet fragrance there was in his chambers, and how clean and beautiful were the walls, for they were the blushing leaves of the rose. During the whole day he enjoyed himself in the warm sunshine, flew from flower to flower, and danced on the wings of the flying butterflies. Then he took it into his head to measure how many steps he would have to go through the roads and crossroads that are on the leaf of a linden tree. What we call the veins on a leaf, he took for roads, ay, and very long roads they were for him, for before he had half finished his task, the sun went down. He had commenced his work too late. It became very cold, the dew fell, and the wind blew, so he thought the best thing he could do would be to return home. He hurried himself as much as he could, but he found the roses all closed up, and he could not get in. Not a single rose stood open. The poor little elf was very much frightened. He had never before been out at night, but had always slumbered secretly behind the warm rose leaves. Oh, this would certainly be his death! At the other end of the garden, he knew there was an arbor, overgrown with beautiful honeysuckles. The blossoms looked like large painted horns, and he thought to himself he could go and sleep in one of those till the morning. He flew thither, but hush! Two people were in the arbor, a handsome young man and a beautiful lady. They sat side by side and wished that they might never be obliged to part. They loved each other much more than the best child can love its father and mother. But we must part, said the young man. Your brother does not like our engagement, and therefore he sends me so far away on business, over mountains and seas. Farewell, my sweet bride, for so you are to me. And then they kissed each other, and the girl wept and gave him a rose. But before she did so, she pressed a kiss upon it so fervently that the flower opened. Then the little elf flew in and leaned his head on the delicate, fragrant walls. Here he could plainly hear them say, Farewell, farewell, and he felt that the rose had been placed on the young man's breast. Oh, how his heart did beat! The little elf could not go to sleep, it thumped so loudly. The young man took it out as he walked through the dark wood alone, and kissed the flower so often and so violently that the little elf was almost crushed. He could feel through the leaf how hot the lips of the young man were, and the rose had opened, as if from the heat of the noonday sun. There came another man, who looked gloomy and wicked. He was the wicked brother of the beautiful maiden. 
he drew out a sharp knife, and while the other was kissing the rose, the wicked man stabbed him to death. Then he cut off his head and buried it with the body in the soft earth under the linden tree. Now he is gone and will soon be forgotten, thought the wicked brother. He will never come back again. He was going on a long journey over mountains and seas. It is easy for a man to lose his life in such a journey. My sister will suppose he is dead, for he cannot come back, and she will not dare to question me about him. Then he scattered the dry leaves over the light earth with his foot, and went home through the darkness. But he went not alone, as he thought. The little elf accompanied him. He sat in a dry, rolled-up linden leaf, which had fallen from the tree onto the wicked man's head as he was digging the grave. The hat was on the head now, which made it very dark, and the little elf shuddered with fright and indignation at the wicked deed. It was the dawn of morning before the wicked man reached home. He took off his hat and went into his sister's room. There lay the beautiful, blooming girl, dreaming of him whom she loved so, and who was now, she supposed, traveling far away over mountain and sea. Her wicked brother stopped over her and laughed hideously, as fiends can only laugh. The dry leaf fell out of his hair upon the counterpane, but he did not notice it, and went to get a little sleep during the early morning hours. But the elf slipped out of the withered leaf, placed himself by the ear of the sleeping girl, and told her, as in a dream, of the horrid murder, described the place where her brother had slain her lover and buried his body. He told her of the linden tree, in full blossom that stood close by. "'That you may not think this only a dream that I have told you,' he said, "'you will find on your bed a withered leaf.' Then she awoke and found it there. Oh, what bitter tears she shed! She could not open her heart to any one for relief. The window stood open the whole day, and the little elf could easily have reached the roses or any of the flowers, but he could not find it in his heart to leave one so afflicted. In the window stood a bush bearing monthly roses. He seated himself in one of the flowers and gazed on the poor girl. Her brother often came into the room and would be quite cheerful in spite of his base conduct, so she dare not say a word to him of her heart's grief. As soon as night came on, she slipped out of the house and went into the wood, to the spot where the linden tree stood, and after removing the leaves from the earth, she turned it up, and there found him who had been murdered. Oh, how she wept and prayed that she might also die! Gladly would she have taken the body home with her, but that was impossible. So she took up the poor head with the closed eyes, kissed the cold lips, and shook the mold out of the beautiful hair. I will keep this, said she, and as soon as she had covered the body again with the earth and leaves, she took the head and a little sprig of jasmine that bloomed in the wood near the spot where he was buried, and carried them home with her 
As soon as she was in her room, she took the largest flower pot she could find, and in this she placed the head of the dead man, covered it up with earth, and planted the twig of jasmine in it. Farewell, farewell, whispered the little elf. He could not any longer endure to witness all this agony of grief. He therefore flew away to his own rose in the garden. But the rose was faded. Only a few dry leaves still clung to the green hedge behind it. Alas, how soon all that is good and beautiful passes away, sighed the elf. After a while he found another rose, which became his home, for among its delicate, fragrant leaves he could dwell in safety. Every morning he flew to the window of the poor girl and always found her weeping by the flower-pot. The bitter tears fell upon the jasmine twig, and each day as she became paler and paler, the sprig appeared to grow greener and fresher. One shoot after another sprouted forth, and little white buds blossomed, which the poor girl fondly kissed. But her wicked brother scolded her, and asked her if she was going mad. He could not imagine why she was weeping over that flower-pot, and it annoyed him. He did not know whose closed eyes were there, or what red lips were fading beneath the earth. And one day— she sat and leaned her head against the flower-pot, and the little elf of the rose found her asleep. Then he seated himself by her ear, talked to her of that evening in the arbor, of the sweet perfume of the rose and the loves of the elves. Sweetly she dreamed, and while she dreamt, her life passed away calmly and gently, and her spirit was with him whom she loved in heaven. And the jasmine opened its large white bells and spread forth its sweet fragrance. It had no other way of showing its grief for the dead. But the wicked brother considered the beautiful blooming plant as his own property, left to him by his sister, and he placed it in his sleeping room, close by his bed, for it was very lovely in appearance, and the fragrance sweet and delightful. The little elf of the rose followed it, and flew from flower to flower, telling each little spirit that dwelt in them the story of the murdered young man, whose head now formed part of the earth beneath them, and of the wicked brother and the poor sister. We know it, said each little spirit in the flowers. We know it, for have we not sprung from the eyes and lips of the murdered one? We know it, we know it and the flowers nodded with their heads in a peculiar manner. The elf of the rose could not understand how they could rest so quietly in the matter, so he flew to the bees, who were gathering honey, and told them of the wicked brother, and the bees told it to their queen, who commanded that the next morning they should go and kill the murderer. But during the night, the first after his sister's death, while the brother was sleeping in his bed, close to where he had placed the fragrant jasmine, every flower cup opened, and invisibly the little spirits stole out, armed with poisonous spears. They placed themselves by the ear of the sleeper, 
told him dreadful dreams, and then flew across his lips and pricked his tongue with their poisonous spears. Now have we revenged the dead, said they, and flew back into the white bells of the jasmine flowers. When the morning came, and as soon as the window was opened, the rose elf and the queen bee and the whole swarm of bees rushed in to kill him. But he was already dead. People were standing round the bed and saying that the sweet scent of the jasmine had killed him. Then the elf of the rose understood the revenge of the flowers and explained it to the queen bee, and she, with the whole swarm, buzzed about the flower-pot. The bees could not be driven away. Then a man took it up to remove it, and one of the bees stung him in the hand so that he let the flower-pot fall and it was broken to pieces. Then everyone saw the whitened skull, and they knew the dead man in the bed was a murderer. And the queen bee hummed in the air, and sang of the revenge of the flowers, and of the elf of the rose, and said that behind the smallest leaf dwells one who can discover evil deeds and punish them also. The End So, what is your favorite part of this story? I think there's only the one version and then the adaptation for opera. Oddly enough, this story isn't as well known as many of his other fairy tales. I'm not sure why. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, maybe it's because it's an original instead of an adaptation of older tales. You know, sometimes things just don't hit with the populace. Mm -hmm. I love the descriptions in this story. I have never thought of an elf being so very tiny that they could dance on the wings of butterflies or walk the veins of a leaf as if it were a road. I also found it interesting that there is a real lack of reflective setting in this story. Most tales of murder and revenge usually have a dark and sinister ambiance. I really liked how pretty everything in this one was. It is surprising to start reading a story filled with roses and butterflies and then BAM! Murder! It really caught me by surprise. Surprise decapitation is good. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather it be a surprise than to know it's coming. Hans Christian Andersen was always really good with the descriptions. Yeah, he wasn't too flowery or overly garrulous, but just enough for a solid mental picture of the scene. I would have liked to see the bees get a bigger role in this, although they did get the big reveal at the end. It's just too bad that a bee had to die for that. But the whole hive, queen and all, were going to sacrifice themselves to kill the wicked brother. So it's good that the jasmine spirits did it. Should have made it Oleander instead, though. Oleander is actually poisonous to humans. Nothing mentioned in the whole garden was actually poisonous. I did like that the bees were the ones who caused the brother's treachery to be discovered. And one of them did sacrifice himself to see justice done when he stung the man on the hand and made him drop the flower pot. <clears throat> Herself. It was unlikely that the stinging bee was a drone. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they can't do that. Right. Forgot. The women are always more dangerous. Right. <laughs> so what is your least favorite part of this story? If you ask me, the wicked brother got too peaceful a death. Being stung to death would have been more fitting. 
I don't want to see the bees die, so I would have a swarm of wasps sting him instead. Well, being stung to death would still be too fast for that guy. Yeah, but at least with wasp, it would be painful, like like lots of pain. Sure. At least they gave him horrible nightmares first, so no telling the horrors he suffered mentally while the poison worked on him. Yay, mental anguish and suffering for evildoers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mental scars are real. Now, one thing that had a serious factor for me was when she picked up the decapitated head of her lover and kissed the cold lips (laughs) I mean I know the girl was big into kissing just about everything she came into contact with except her brother but that was taking it a bit far that was pretty nasty (laughs) I think that part gave me some mental scars Kissing her brother would have been worse, though. (laughs) Also, the head being a white skull when it is found in the flower pot makes me wonder just how long she sat and cried over the jasmine bush before she died. Depending on maggot activity, it could take anywhere from three weeks to several years, since it wasn't left out in the elements, but it wasn't buried deeply most likely took at least a year to become a skull. You know, if I learned anything from watching Bones, it's that a healthy insect population can completely deflesh a skull in under a week. And some ants and beetles can do it in a matter of hours. Well, maybe the flower fairies were flesh eaters. (laughs) A lot of critters we think of as pollinators and herbivores will happily eat flesh as well. Butterflies, for instance, love to suck the moisture from fresh carrion. Being that decomposing flesh is such good fertilizer for plants, I would expect that fairies living in those same plants would also gain nourishment from decomposing flesh. There's even a type of bee that eats flesh and makes meat honey. Although Hans Christian Andersen wouldn't know about them. Okay, that is a whole new factor for me. Thanks for that, Polly. Always here with the bee trivia. (laughs) Glad we could open your horizons a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Hag Corner. In today's Hag Corner, we will discuss Jasmine. One thing that I found on a few different sites said that jasmine could be used to summon fairies, which ties in very well to today's story. In folklore, jasmine is said to attract spiritual love rather than physical love, though it is said to be an aphrodisiac and is used in perfumes due to this perceived property and to the naturally lovely scent. The flower is also linked to purity and innocence. Lore also states that it can be used in a ritual bath to attract love. It's said to attract wealth and that it brings happiness and abundance. Jasmine's smoke is used in ceremonies and the flowers are added to sleep pillows to relax the mind and encourage prophetic dreams. The smoke is used to cleanse crystals of bad energies. The oil is used to activate the third eye and assist in psychic readings. Okay, so now we can look at the real science. WebMD has Jasmine listed as being used for liver disease from hepatitis, pain due to liver scarring, and abdominal pain from dysentery. 
It also says it's used to prevent stroke, cause relaxation in a sedative sense, and a heightened sexual desire. So the folktales and science seem to agree on a bit for this plant, even though there's a disclaimer saying the evidence is insufficient for a lot of these. It is at least not listed as dangerous, but as always, talk to your doctor to be sure it is safe for you. It's made clear not to confuse jasmine with gardenia or gelsemium. Several variety of plants called jasmine have berries and sap that are toxic. So be careful out there, hags, and try not to anger the fairies. What are the original lessons this story was trying to convey? Well, the queen bee spells out the lesson at the end of the story with her song about behind the smallest leaf dwells one who can discover evil deeds and punish them also. Sort of a don't underestimate the impact of small details or the unseen people. It made me think of the way the wealthy of the time period when this was written would speak and act in front of servants as if they were pieces of furniture, never once realizing they were people who fully understood everything they were saying. Reminds me of Horton Hears a Who. Ooh, a person's a person, no matter how small. (laughs) You must be sure your sin will find you out. But yeah, in in 1839, Hans Christian Andersen was not wealthy by any means. He had to publish a lot of stuff, some of which he was not too proud of, just to get by for most of the decade preceding. So he knew hardship. Probably he'd been talked over or talked about during that period and was feeling a bit unseen himself. Poor guy. There may have been a time or two when he wanted to be unseen. Creative genius, but suffered on the social skills side of life. Well... That is the burden of genius, right? (laughs) So that's my problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Same here. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think the modern lesson would be? Take really good care of your plants and flowers. They see and hear everything. And if you're nice to them, they've got your back. Mm, Human heads make excellent fertilizer. Magical, even. (laughs) Also, maybe avoid becoming involved with someone whose kisses are so hot they can cause flowers to bloom. Both the dude and the sister had this ability, and things did not go well for them. It just seems like an odd sort of superpower. They were probably feverish and unhealthy, which led to her eventual decline. Syphilitic or something. Uh, And they both had it? Scandalous! Oh my good heavens, I can't take you two anywhere. Wait, is this public? <laughs> you love us. Well, true enough. So I guess that makes me as sick as the two of you. But not syphilitic. Yeah, ah! <laughs> so, moving on. Uh, in closing, what do you think happened after the story? <laughs> I hope they dug up the body of the lover and buried them both together with the jasmine planted between them. It would grow marvelously with two bodies to feed it. It would be like where the red fern grows. Oh, wow. I love that. What a tragically beautiful ending that would be. 
I was thinking the elf would be bored going back to a life of sleeping in roses and dancing on butterfly wings. Instead, he and some of the bee drones formed a vigilante group and went around discovering (laughs) the evil deeds of dastardly men and bringing about their downfall. He could ride on the bees, and they would report their findings to the queen, who would decide who their next target would be and make a plan for how they would serve up justice, which led to the development of killer bees. (laughs) Maybe we should look closely into the actions of people swarmed by bees. (laughs) Hmm. I'm going to build on that because I think someone took the plant that was dropped and tossed it in the dump. And it grew up big and strong from all of the refuse and fertilizer. And the jasmine fairies team up with your rose fairy and bees. And they took out all the murderers that tried to dump the bodies there. Of course, they researched the victims and killers to ensure that the people hiding bodies there were evil. When people took cuttings of that plant because it was so gorgeous, they took home some of the vigilante fairies, and that is why the jasmine became known for bringing good fortune, wealth, and abundance, because the fairies protected the home from those with evil intent. I think the little elf has a blossoming and popular AO3 account, judging by (laughs) y'all's thoughts. I hope the bees enlisted wasps to do their killing. Oh, (laughs) Good thought. The Suicide Bee Vigilante Group has a nice ring to it, though. (laughs) The original Suicide Squad. (laughs) Kamikazes. (laughs) Kamikaze bees. (laughs) I love you, too. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.